I went to a marvelous party. Christopher, this is only going to work if we speak one at a time. Fine, you first, Eric. in beautiful West Hollywood, California. It's the Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, the Internet's first live comedy variety show featuring special correspondents from the worlds of entertainment, politics, and lousy relationships. Everyone gets served. Tonight's live cast is streaming to you through thedinnerpartyshow.com with your hosts, New York Times best-selling novelists Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Good evening, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and you're listening to the May 12th 2013 live cast of The Dinner Party Show. And tonight, we will not be discussing Farrah Abrahams, her sex tape, or any other stars of the MTV show, Teen Moms. Good. Except to say that for those outraged fans who believe that Abraham's sex tape sets a bad example for her four-year-old daughter, we'd like to suggest that it's not any worse than dragging said daughter in front of the cameras for an exploitative reality show. I Uh knew I wasn't going to pronounce that word right. I mean, at least the four-year-old isn't actually in the sex tape. We will also not discuss Jodi Arias, not because we don't think she's awful, Mm -hmm. but because we can't imagine that there is anything left to say and we have a horror of sounding like the world's most famous cyberbully, Nancy Grace. Mm -hmm. We will not be discussing whatever bigoted, crackpot, apocalyptic statement about gay people some no-name local representative shouted to some local reporter and which our friends are now all pushing into our Facebook feeds. Please, let's be selective about which jackasses we get upset about. The roads of America are lined with them, and when they aren't cannibalizing stranded motorists at roadside gas stations, they have nothing better better to do, excuse me, than hate on the gays. So let's ignore the ones who don't have any real influence and hope they get a hobby that involves jumping off of high places while drunk. Hear, hear. Mm -hmm. Also, under no circumstances will we discuss the Benghazi tragedy because the Dinner Party Show has a moratorium on discussion the 2016 presidential Mm -hmm. elections. Clearly, this naked attempt by Congress to smear our former Secretary of State is just another strategy in their ongoing anarchist obstruction of our government. Mm -hmm. All the evidence they've been able to come up with so far proves that since they were the ones who refused State Department requests for additional security as part of their losing 2012 campaign strategy, they are responsible and should actually be the objects of their (laughs) own investigation. Yes. We will say this. We think if Congress were willing to put as much effort into running the country as they are into their political agendas, unemployment would no longer be a problem, our economy and infrastructure would be the envy of the world, and we'd be loaning money to China. Hear, hear. We will also not be discussing any of the new shows the networks are set to announce over the coming weeks. We'd much prefer to mourn the loss of the good ones that just got scuttled. Southland. Happy endings. The new normal. Oh, no. Face it, folks. For those of us who love quality network television, the best course of action is to live in the past. Mm. 
Finally, we have no comment on Justin Bieber's underage drinking in a country where he is of age to drink. We have nothing to say about Lindsay's most recent trip to rehab nothing. or her sheenless rehab roommate, Brooke, <laughs> though our hearts do go out to the folks at Betty Ford. Indeed. And we will not address the rumors that all the judges and the executive producer of American Idol are getting the axe, other than to ask, is that show still on? Hmm. But right now, our show is on, so everything else is on the table on The Dinner Party Show tonight. Good evening, I'm Lyle Johnson. And I'm Kyle DeWitt, and we're two gay Christians with two two snaps snaps for Jesus. And tonight, we have been asked to bless this episode of The Dinner Party Show with our special brand of accepting inclusive Christianity. Allow us, O Lord, to drop your message of forgiveness right down the gullets of all those superior old queens who don't think the term Jesus freak is a form of hate speech. Uh Uh-huh. We ask our dear Lord and Savior to bless this episode of The Dinner Party Show and its hosts, Christopher Rice and Eric Mm Shockwin. Indeed. We also ask that Miss Immaculate Concepcion, our drag queen pastress, Tune into tonight's show so she can get a sense of what real comedy sounds like. Mm. Hopefully, in the process, she will learn that what might be appropriate for her act on Saturday night during the wet underwear contest at Slippery Secrets oh might not be appropriate for our church service the following morning, even if our congregation does aim to be inclusive and progressive. Touch pearls, indeed. And maybe, Lord, during tonight's show, a certain Lyle Johnson can decide whether or not he'd like to don an old gray wig and some Aquanet and go sit beside his mother at her more traditional church where everyone's likely to get all bent out of shape over an innocent little joke about why our creator would need an entire factory just to make a single sausage. Was that what she said? I don't think so. Anyway, I'm Lyle Johnson. And I'm Kyle DeWitt. And this has been Two Snaps for Jesus. And Two Snaps for the Dinner Party Show. Snap, snap. I love those two. They're so cute. And so, you know, spiritual. (laughs) Are you getting a call during our show? Apparently, I have not succeeded in turning (laughs) off my iPad, although I will say I have tried, ladies and gentlemen. I'll say the 15 minutes before the dinner party show goes live on the air about how can Eric turn everything off. It doesn't seem to be happening. Anyway. But I'm working on it. It's part of the ambiance. We we drink tea with abandon. We clatter our teacups on our saucers because it gives the sense that you're at a dinner party with the two of us. Right? Because you are. You are, you are, you are. And this week, you're our special guest. Yes, you are. We're so tired of high-maintenance diva celebrities like that Anne Rice person. God, came in here with her cats. Okay, this is not the day because you know what day today is. Today is Armistice Day. No, that's later. Today is Arbor Day. That's just around the corner. Today is Flag Day? Every day is Fag Day, but no, this is not. I said flag. Oh, I'm sorry. I misheard you. <laughs> Did you really think I said Fag Day? No, I didn't at all. Okay. All right. Well, I that's think, enough with the hate speech. Yeah, you're a grand old fag. <laughs> that's you, darling. <laughs> I'm coming up on you. But anyway, um, uh, it's Mother's Day. And I, I realized about 30 oh, minutes I'm before sorry. we I'm sorry. Do you went... think age is gauged <laughs> based on your proximity no, no, no. Grand, to me? Grand, grand, I'm coming up on grand. I I'm see. not quite there yet. Okay. I uh, realized 30 minutes before we started the show that I had not called my mother. 
on Mother's Day. And well, can she's we, listening, I'm sure. I, I hope. I hope because it was a Mother's Day call, I did not follow it up with a manipulative, are you going to listen to the show tonight, Mom? Because she's a pretty loyal listener. I think she probably is. Uh, however, um, we should say, just because it is Mother's Day, and I think I tried to make this clear to people on Facebook earlier in the week, um, we tried to get her to come on the show tonight. But she asked to have Mother's Day off. Yes. She said it's Mother's Day so she can do whatever she wants. And so that seems fair. I will say I know from personal experience she actually has a speaker that her sister has purchased that they plug into the computer and they sit at the table. Dinner hour is 5 o'clock and they eat dinner with the dinner party show. So we are actually live at their dinner table right this minute. How sad would it be if I find out later that they weren't – that this was the night they decided not to listen. She, it's Mother's Day, so she's free to do whatever she, she can do wants. I'm not going to go for the listening. she wants, yeah. She's actually all hopped up about something on Facebook currently. What? Well, it's something we will address in the show tonight because I believe a couple of our listeners brought it to the page. Charlene Harris is being subjected to a rather I elaborate – heard. On Online campaign, someone, a German reader, got an advanced copy of one of her books and he leaked the ending, which apparently oh, I won't spoil a, it. What but a I, spoiler jerk. And people are so furious about who Suki ends up with that they are going on the Amazon all of the Amazon sales pages for Charlene Harris and they are clicking uh, like on every negative review and dislike on every positive review. So they're literally, they're trying to game the system, as my mother puts it in. Oh, my mother is so mad, and she's in there on her computer. She's, she says all of her old, you know, people who torment her on the page are coming out of the woodwork. But it's it's a rather um, massive bullying campaign. Is what Misery it's, lives. I mean, really, come on. Like, it's one thing to go on and state your opinion, but to sort of, I don't know. Well, I think it's horrible, you know, that it's happening to her. But honest to God, it kind of is wonderful that people feel that strongly. I, I remember, I think it was actually your mom who told, somebody told me the story of a serialization that um, Charles Dickens was writing, a series of books. And yes, they Little killed Nell. Little Nell. And Little people Nell. found out that they killed Little Nell and the books had been shipped into an American port, was it? Where, I, maybe Boston? But they they sure. shipped the books in and the news was in the whatchamacallit. And the readers were so upset, they literally tore the docks Part they were over a right, book. Right. I mean, I don't approve of tearing the docks apart, but it is kind of wonderful as an artist to think that people would feel so strongly. But would about you have approved if they had gone they into the bookstores and start, you know, damaging or sabotaging your other books that were on sale? I Obviously, think that's part of what's going I think, on here. Oh my God, that's hideous. Yeah, I know. Lord, how. I, what an excitable – I have to say, it's like – No, that's not actually what they're doing. I'm saying that's the equivalent of that period of what's going oh. on on Amazon, which people pushing down the ratings of books that were published previously. It's kind of like trying to damage the author's other work. No, I really – it is really kind of astonishing. What do they think is going to happen, that she's going to go back in and – retroactively change the ending no of her idea. book. But this everybody forgot that this happened about Twilight and I think that's probably because they were trying to push Twilight out of their minds. But did Twilight did the Twilight fans People, behave as badly? I don't know if they behaved quite as badly on the internet. What they did was they went to the store and tried to return the book on mass. Oh. This was the third book, which was well, split up into two that, movies, but, but they were angry about that. But yeah. they were, yeah, they hated the ending of that. Well, you know, I, I, you know, on the one hand, I don't approve of cyberbullying, and I think that's not the way to go. And I would point out to all of the fans who are upset that it is a fictional account. None of these people actually exist. Um, you know, make up your own ending since it's just made up. But it is wonderful to have people that passionate it is. about. 
a work of literature. I it is. It yeah. is. It's very. It's very wonderful. I just. I. I, I wish that. Uh, you know. I'm always on about this. We are always on about this. The behavior Gatsby's of dad. Uh, the behavior of people. On <laughs> that the... fucking Scott Fitzgerald Gatsby's dad. <laughs> are you giving away the ending of Great Gatsby? <laughs> the ship sinks. Spoiler alert for a, a hundred year old book. It's not a hundred years old. How old is the Great Gatsby? Quick, Eric, do math. I have absolutely no idea. When oh, did shit. it come out? I don't know. A long time ago. Before I, 3D. I know that much. In the 20s, so it's not the 20s yet, so it's not 100... So it's not 100 years old yet, right? Wasn't it supposed to be the voice of the generation, the jazz age, whatever? He lived around the corner from where I live now at some point. I think he may have died there. Because in the end, whatever we're talking about (laughs) is about you. It's either about me or some cute curio you're trying to put together back at your apartment. Wherever he lived has no impact on... When he wrote The Great Gatsby, which <laughs> hey. is what we're actually talking about. No, I'm trying to progress the conversation back to my neighborhood. I see. Back yes. back to our neighborhood because our studio is very close to where I live. And now I'm going to start talking about where I live. Yeah, that's great. That's what we want to do on the air. So if you're looking to stalk Christopher. Absolutely. Please stalk me um, using our Facebook page for the dinner <laughs> party show. Would you? That would be great, which has been really exciting. We're this competition so has been. Thank you so much. We've. We're almost up to 10,000 likes on Facebook in like a week. Right. And so we had a lot of questions about how the contest is working. The contest is going to be – is ongoing. It's not closed yet. We will eventually announce the name of the winner on the dinner party show, but that date is not set. So please, if you – If you you, haven't registered yet. Yeah, if you haven't registered yet, please do. And if you're listening to this broadcast five years from now, you know, like (laughs) on the archive, it's probably over. But but don't rule that out. Absolutely. (laughs) The prize for the contest, if you don't know, is that you're going to win a 10-minute phone call from Anne Rice. That's right. She's going to call you at home. Probably from a blocked number. Probably I'm sorry not to say. collect and not collect. That we was had one that of the questions, questions I saw. Yeah. Not collect. Absolutely, and and you guys can chat about whatever you want for ten minutes. We thought that like what I, people went nuts when we and announced. We it. don't have any plans to record the call, but if you want to, I can't imagine that that would be a problem. Yeah, we certainly couldn't stop you. I don't. I don't have a problem with that. It doesn't involve me, so yeah. yeah. So I don't see we'll how see. it could. We'll see how mom feels yeah, about I that. I don't care about that. Anyway, whatever. I'm done talking about the contest. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, we want to do a birthday shout out to one of our listeners, Angela Griffin Lee. She's joining us on the Facebook page along with a lot of other fine. Uh, what did we decide we're going to call our lovelies? I like. We haven't we haven't firmed it up, but I like party people. I like party dinner people. party people. Okay, or just party people. I like party people. We didn't. Someone suggested. people. People of the party, I would believe that would be. That seems a little political to it me. Does, it I, does. I, and I don't never, mind it. And we're never political on the dinner party show. Never. never at least. Well, we're not a party. I don't want to get confused with that other, If you know, we're a little later in the evening than the tea party. But just yeah. the same, I don't want to be confused with any tea parties. Absolutely. We should tell people that our fairly unbalanced newsman, Breck Artery, is on vacation this week. Do we have any idea where he fairly went? Fairly unbalanced? Yeah, fairly uh, Im- Im- imbalanced. Fairly imbalanced. Imbalanced. That's yeah. really nice. He seems to kind of decidedly fall down on the left of every issue. Well, you know, if the truth happens to be on the left, <laughs> it's just the truth. As somebody said, I don't know who the truth has a liberal bias. Maybe somebody on our Facebook page will point that out. <laughs> I think that's really a great one. Yeah. I don't know if it was Breck, but it might have been. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so 
I think those are all the housekeeping notes. We do have a weird thing. 1925, it looks like. Somebody's Gatsby answering. was written in 1925. Okay. So, yeah, we've got uh, 10 years to go. Yes. Oh, and Sumiko Salson is asking us if we use or recommend poor reading assistance software. I think that was because of a little bit of a little bit of flubs happening there in the not report, mostly with me. But you had your own too. Poor reading assistance. Poor reading. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading the message. I'm sorry. I don't know if that's autocorrect or what. No, that's really uh, great. Yes, the two best. Yeah, no, we're just. Their own I, show we, can't read we, their own I just script. brush my teeth and I can't do a thing with them. You know. <laughs> Okay, so we have a lot to talk about tonight. Most of it was brought to us by our party people, as we're now calling them. Because it's yeah, this is their show. But we do have a little housekeeping note that we want to address, which is a little weird. We're having a weird thing happening with our affiliates program. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're not sure why, but Amazon is saying Has that decided that we're some dangerous scam or something. <laughs> I don't know why. They have... Ended um, our uh, our uh, affiliates program. So for the time being, if you're going to buy something through the dinner party page, buy it through Barnes and Noble or buy it through iTunes. iTunes We're yeah. working with. I'm communicating with somebody named Gary, whose um, email address I will be publishing on the dinner party page soon if he doesn't change his tune. But and, and or his responses to us, which all read like something auto generated and strange, and which don't tell us what we did. Or to like merit English being is not out. his first language. Yeah. Nothing. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but <laughs> yeah. it doesn't seem very responsive it's to getting... what I keep saying, which is we don't see how what this is— What did we do is what we keep saying. Right. It's like how is this a problem? Because it says we've done something we've been um, using for our own personal use or resale, yeah, like none resale. of which is true. Yeah, I, we... I, we don't understand. Anyway, so we're pursuing it with Amazon, and I'm hopeful that we'll be able to work something out when we get in touch with somebody who isn't a computer program yeah. or doesn't you know, behave like one. Absolutely. And maybe after a good weekend, Gary will be all softened up on Monday. So— for the time being, if you're going to buy anything through the dinner party page, buy it from Barnes & Noble or from iTunes or iBooks because they're actually paying us. If you do buy, uh, say, Uncle, which I think is – no, that's available from Barnes & Noble too. But if you get yes, that – but is. if you it But is. if you buy our books from um, – Christopher's books or my books from Amazon Kindle, it doesn't affect our royalties. So yeah, absolutely. Just the, um, the, the extended – um, affiliate shopping Amazon experience. So we're still advertising Amazon. We're just kind of so. If anybody out there knows anything about this or works for Amazon, um, we're really like trying to do a good job here, and yeah. we don't understand why we're being punished. And uh, we don't. If we will do whatever it takes, we don't want to piss Amazon off. I God, no, you some people you yeah. piss Amazon off. I would piss off, off the federal government before I piss off Amazon. Yeah, no, I'm I'm preparing, which I believe I've mentioned on the show previously, my own. Ebook edition of my first novel, A Density of Souls. And the cover is so cover beautiful. Is I gorgeous. love the new cover. The cover is gorgeous. A wonderful cover designer whose name I'm going to mispronounce. He's a Dutch man who lives in New Zealand. Jaron Ten Barge, I think is how you say his name, or that's how a pirate would say his name. <laughs> <Har>. <laughs> Ten Barge. <laughs> he designed this beautiful cover. And um, I, I'm bringing this edition out myself. I wrote about a 5,000 word afterword, which sort of describes my experience of writing the novel and publishing the novel and everything that happened. And anyway, my point is that I. Once I, again, it's all about Christopher. The <laughs> point is, I, I, you, Amazon is part of my landscape. It's not like we're trying to get one over on Amazon. No. 
We don't understand. We really, anyway. honestly, I'm actually a huge fan of Amazon. We do all of the shopping for the show on Amazon. I do all of my shopping at you home. You brought your own ebook edition of Say Uncle, your novel, out on Amazon on as Amazon, well. On Amazon. You know, it's a, it, I, yeah. I, yeah, so we don't know what's going on. So it's a weirdness. It's very weird. It is a weirdness with Amazon. We still love them, but we're seeing other websites. We are. And we're asking you to see <laughs> other websites on our site. In the meantime, currently. we'll keep you posted as this develops. Yeah. Well, we have a lot, as I was saying earlier before I began talking about myself and plugging my products to come. Uh, a lot of people are upset at Abercrombie & Fitch this week. A lot well, of people. Well, there's a segue, huh? Yeah. Well, I, I think we're going to get to it in the next segment, but I'm just sort of teasing. And then we people, uh, the party people, excuse me, want your Da Vinci's Demons update. Oh. We, we went on a little break and we did our marathon, but Da Vinci's Demons has continued to air on Stars, and there was quite a twist this week, which I think will have your panties in a twist. I am... Yeah. Yeah. Are we are we saving that? We're for saving later that. Too? Okay. Well, saving. let me know when I, I will. can I'll share my view. I'll give you my large Marge face. Okay. Oh. Ah, Da Vinci Stevens. Excellent. And, Demonic um, face. Absolutely. And a lot of other things. And then there was a viral video this week of a young man in Texas telling off his history teacher. I saw that. Which, I, yeah, I saw it too. We watched it this afternoon, and I we haven't discussed it amongst ourselves, so I think we're going to have our own opinions about it. But a lot of people on our page, party people, excuse me, have opinions about it as well. But not now. But not now. <laughs> not now. So what are we going to do now, Christopher? I think it's one of our newest and one of your most favorite things. It didn't go so well last time, but we there's oh, been a lot of well, rehearsal. Well, they've been practicing, and I really think yeah. that, you know— Time, times are better. We moved a lot of stuff back in the office. We don't have any guests in the studio today, so it's... And there's no cat here, right? I is don't no cat? see a cat anywhere. Okay. But, you know, the door's closed, so right, if there right. are, there are cats out in the lobby, so... Okay, all right. Well, here we go, then. I think it is time for the eagerly anticipated return of the Restless Leg Dancer. Hooray! There we go. Oh, oh, no. Okay. I thought you moved yeah, uh, that. A little further. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What's happening? That cat is back in here again. Brandon, did you? Dude's cat is here. <laughs> Watch I, out, Billy. I think That's they up. bring a cat with them every time they come. Just is it part of the company? No, oh, oh, my God. Oh, no, I just bought that. Damn it. Ugh. Oh! Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, get the cat. Oh, that cat's hurt. Okay, time for a word from one of our sponsors. At night, she walks the streets of Hollywood because it's what the director told her to do, and they don't really have the budget for a location shoot, so they just use a handheld camera while she glances longingly at passing traffic. L.A. is so big and so easily filmed, and I'm so lucky to have a job that isn't at Jamba Juice. By day, she's a marginally trained, aspiring actress who only took this gig because she needed something for her reel. Also, she and the director attend the same yoga class, and they bonded over being the only two people in it who didn't like the Avengers. Now, after a lot of cocaine and a Kickstarter campaign that didn't reach its goal, their incredibly low-budget handheld camera film has finally made it to YouTube. It's hot prostitute. The exact same story, 
of the exact same preposterously good-looking hooker that's been turned into an incredibly low-budget movie by millions and millions of struggling filmmakers who work at gyms all over Los Angeles. I'm a hot prostitute, but I pout whenever I talk about it, and that's how you know I don't want to be a prostitute for longer than the next 90 minutes. You get in, you get out. You don't get emotionally involved with the clients. But they're all so hot. Except for the scary one you sent me this morning who looked like Louis Anderson. That was Louis Anderson. He needed the work. Hot Prostitute. A film you only saw because you chatted up this really cute guy at your gym who made it clear he wouldn't have coffee with you unless you went on YouTube and watched his movie and thought of something nice to say about it. Hey, I'm really attractive and a little bit nerdy and really sweet, and there's no real reason for me to hire a prostitute, but can you come over to my really beautiful condo for an hour or two and do tender, intimate things that give you a welcome reprieve from the sick, kinky crap your other clients are making you do? I don't know. You seem kind of amazing, and I'm not supposed to get emotionally involved with my clients. Yeah, but if you don't, the movie won't have a second act. I guess that's true. My quirky assemblage of unrealistically attractive clients kind of filled up the first. Yeah, was that Louis Anderson? Hot prostitute. A film in which almost every pivotal scene takes place inside a parked car in a motel parking lot. After 90 minutes, it caterwauls towards an emotionally overwrought conclusion so shot through with unexamined puritanical judgments of human sexuality. It will have you longing for the blasé attitude towards sex workers espoused by many of your gay friends. Hot prostitute. Is it pilot season yet? Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Soup's on. And now it's time for astrological advice from Tuan, Queen of the Stars. Hey, Tuan, Queen of the Stars here with the real dirt on what the constellations are up to and how you can read the signs before they read you. Stop being so wishy-washy, Aquarius. We'll all have an itch where the sun don't shine when Venus squares Uranus this coming week. Though the influence of the goddess of love will have us all flirtatious and a flutter, it can also mean that we're feeling restless and ready for a change. This will mean our eye is on the horizon. Singles will be looking to bring an end to our solo as we seek out a harmonious duet. Those of us in relationship, particularly the secure and settled, might feel trapped until this star cycle passes at week's end. And that whore Virgo will be dragging home everyone she can sink her claws into, so hide your husband, hide your wife. No one is safe when that home wrecker goes on the prowl. Be ready for those wild hairs when they sprout. You may wind up with no more than a new tattoo. But if you get blindsided by this zodiac cycle and ignore the feelings of others along with your own better judgment, you might just get to see how that heifer Virgo feels all year long. So get your ears pierced, order the extra spicy, and bat your eyes to flirt with your wild side, but don't leave your boyfriend alone with Virgo during this heavenly cycle or pretty much the whole rest of the year. Till next time, this is Twan reminding you to watch out for the stars. Your 
listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for The Soup, brought to you by your perpetually victimized gay brother. I will have you know that I am writing a play about all of you. The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. Eric Shaw Quinn, are you okay? I am continuing we to are... try and turn off my devices. <laughs> I am clearly technically not qualified. I'm gonna, we're going to have to hire. Can we hire somebody to turn off my devices? Just, can somebody just come and turn everything off for us, please? Or they Welcome could just back sit to on the dinner it party until the show, show is over so you can't also, hear Also, we're being sabotaged by some autocorrect in our communications with our party people. Um, Samiko Salson suggested we have proofreading programs, not poor reading programs. No one on the Facebook page at the show is making an attack on the poor, so help us God. Anyway, I'm Christopher Rice still. And, and I <laughs> continue to be Eric Shaw Quinn, although I'm very distracted by this whole, you know, getting my my new I have a new Bluetooth keyboard. Oh. And as you know, Bluetooth is mainly involved in becoming disconnected from whatever you've connected <laughs> it to. That's the primary function of Bluetooth. Unless you don't want to be, and then it wants to, you know, like pair with Connect your neighbor's with a telephone passing car. from downstairs exactly. or whatever. Exactly. So, this yeah. wireless world we live in, I don't get it. Anyway, we've got a lot of topics to cover tonight, and we, we start to cover them, and then we start talking about our devices or books we're bringing out in a few weeks or it's how angry we are at Amazon. Evening. It's a very divisive evening. We have no guest in the studio tonight, thank God. So you're the guest. You are. Hooray. We look like crap, Thanks which is for awesome. coming. Yes. We just, we're we, sorry we look. Well, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I want that phone out of the studio. Um, I'm, I'll give it to one of the dancers. Give it to Shay. Butters, who's I, honestly, busy on our Facebook page currently. I, isn't it wonderful to have Shay joining us on Absolutely. the show? Doesn't everybody enjoying having Shay? We just we couldn't do a, a good enough job of keeping up with the Facebook page, and yeah, it's it, it you know being a hosting a dinner party is a challenge, I and it is. is nice to have some help, and it is nice that Shay has finally decided to you know. Do Help. something and get out of this studio while we're on the oh air. Oh, my God. I was so I was tired, tired of having, being looked yeah. at like I was about to be killed by or a British man. Cassoulet thrown at your head. Absolutely. Well, somebody was talking earlier about the history of Mother's Day. Are we ready to do that or are you still turning things off? Who is somebody? Somebody is Eric Shaw Quinn. Somebody was. Did you know, Christopher, that Mother's Day dates back to the ancient Greeks and Romans? Oh, God. No. <laughs> <laughs> but that usually means, like, that was the day they slaughtered the mother by hanging her upside down by her feet and dancing naked in her blood. You Mythology know. alert. Okay. Um, yeah, no, no, it's much nicer than that. Okay. Jesus, Christopher. Yeah. Christopher is a Christopher has a very dark worldview. We are an interesting combination. And I'm here. going to later, once you finish your story, I will talk about me. And I will talk about what the Irish term for that dark worldview is, which I learned at a wedding while we were on our little break. Well, anyway, why don't you go, go ahead, ahead and tell everybody what it the is? The term is called hanging crepe. I was with some cousins of mine from Louisiana who traveled into L.A. for the wedding of another cousin, and they were talking about how... <laughs> what? That's a lot of cousins. I just saw these people in a caravan. Oh, like, my God. Get the phone out of here. <laughs> I can't get it to stop. I'm not sure it is the phone. Anyway, um, so... Yeah, I think your yeah, phone's off. There we go. Anyway, okay, everything's off. I think it was the iPad. There was a second off button. We, we really need to have There are a lot of off the buttons. The show is going off the rails. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the term is called hanging crepe, and if you walk into a gathering of old Irish women, they will say hello. <laughs> like you do. Like I always did for many years of my life. They will say hello, and then they will give you the worst possible news they can think of. 
and that is the Irish way of doing things. Now, I'm sure there's an equivalent in, across many cultures, but in not, among the Irish Americans, it's called hanging crepe. And we like to say when there's a lag in the conversation, in my family, someone will bring up the most recent devastating natural disaster. So the conversation will start to flag, and then someone will say, God, I wonder how Japan's doing after that earthquake. You know, hanging crepe, Mother's Day. Let's do it. Mother's Day. It yes. already is Mother's Day. I don't think it's up to us. I know, but we're going to talk about your little Mother's well, Day project. Well, I was project. just talking, you know, I was just letting people know a little bit about the history of this, you know, very important holiday. That's actually, the current observance isn't very old. It was started less than 100 years ago, but apparently on the Ides of March, the Romans used to celebrate... Uh, in the cult of Sybil, I guess that's how it's pronounced. Not the sitcom that gave Alan Ball a start in network television. No, but that was really an awfully good show, but it wasn't quite that long ago. Okay. Yeah. Alan and, and uh, Miss Shepard are, you know, getting on up there, but they weren't around when the ancient Romans were. And I don't think they had television back then. I'm not certain, but mm -hmm. they were very advanced culture. Anyway, they were so advanced as part of their sort of celebrating the, sort of the goddess spirits. Mm -hmm. So it was a more positive. Actually, it was quite a revelry. They used to have parades and huge parties and whatever. And the, the followers of Sybil got banned from Rome and, yeah. It was wow. a very raucous Mother's Day. Uh, was a very raucous sort of celebration. Um, and then later, early Christians celebrated something they called Mothering Day. Oh dear! This was more like the seventeenth. Uh, they century. made it no fun because that's what early Christians did with a lot of super oh, fun. Oh, because they've gotten to be Roman so much stuff. more fun in the interim. <laughs> now they're just nothing but the good time gang that they've grown up to be. Anyway, whatever. Nothing against most Christians out there, but just the ones who hate us and want to take away our civil rights. But, most, but anyway, but the good Christians out there know who we're talking about. The ass aching Christians who yeah. just are all about. I don't know what they're about, but they seem to be about celebrating a God who invented the world and then hated almost all of it. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so on the 40th day, no, on the fourth Sunday of Lent, I think it was, they started doing a mothering day mm. in celebration of, you know, the biggest mother of all, the Virgin Mary. Yeah, girl. Yeah, and then <laughs> later— sorry. I always say that when the Virgin Mary is mentioned. Yeah, girl. And then later, Julia Ward Howe and uh, Anna Jarvis, in more recent history, actually started a what the Mother's Day, you know, as we've come to know it. Our our, um, our computer technician was telling me that the the British still celebrate in March, so maybe they still celebrate Mother's Day on the Ides of interesting, March. Interesting, interesting. Um, he was saying that he had missed his mother's Mother's Day by two months. <laughs> oh, because oh. you know, American Mother's Day is. Absolutely. Well, today. So that's been the fascinating history of the thousands of years. I'll have to say, and I'll have to say that <clears throat> the website you printed out for that little lovely presentation was in pink typeface. So I'm just going to venture a guess that the gruesome pagan aspects of its origins were expunged from that site. And that with further research, someone on our page will be able to turn up the true bloody origins of Right. Christopher, Day. you know, if it's not dark, Christopher doesn't want I to talk about bored. it. I just get bored. I just get bored if it's not dark and if the stakes aren't high. Um, yeah, sort of like that. The the woman who got fired for uh, being sexually harassed at... <laughs> 
it was going to be a funny story. It was our first show, and I brought it in. It was an employee of Southwest Airlines, and I just thought, no, Waffle House. Waffle House. Waffle House. I'm sorry. Waffle House is like the (laughs) Southwest Airlines is the Waffle House of the sky. Absolutely. Like Waffle House in the sky. Yes. Um, I fly Southwest repeatedly in case anyone thinks I'm being classist. I love their attitude and their spunk, and I enjoy um, I like that they have a great sense of humor about it. I love that they make um, funny announcements on the in the plane. Yeah. Because they're always so ass-aching. I know. No smoking allowed on Delta. Delta. Delta's trying. That's Delta's version. Smoking is not allowed on any <laughs> Delta flight. And I'm just like, oh, Lord. Anyway, the point is I thought I brought in that story for our first episode thinking it would be light and funny. And then we realized we were talking about a victimized woman who had been sexually harassed, yeah. who had trouble putting her children through school. And not very funny. It was funny. Not funny none at all. It was funny. Regis Harden Jr. on our Facebook page asked, how many people am I trying to turn on with my voice? I cannot believe I'm saying that. I don't know. How many people am I trying to turn on with my voice? I don't talk like this when I'm not on the air. I think it may be a rhetorical question, (laughs) Christopher. (laughs) Well, I I do train extensively. (laughs) Which means he just can't shut up. I just can't shut up. I walk around the house talking to myself. Well, I think it is time for our very long technical room. (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs) So if you already know how the station works and how to listen to the dinner party show, this is a great time to go to the bathroom. But if you don't and you're looking for options on how to listen to the dinner party show, here's how. Happy Mother's Day. And when we come back, we'll go right into another installment in our brand new series, Eric's Rash Pronouncement of the Week. Oh. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. We've made every effort to make sure you can access our show for free across a variety of platforms. We debut a live show every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the player at our website, www.thedinnerpartyshow.com. This same stream can be accessed via our free mobile apps for Apple and Android devices, so you don't have to be in front of your computer to join the party. We're on for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's right. If you miss the live show, we replay it continuously throughout the week until a new show debuts the following Sunday at the same time. Our free mobile apps keep you connected to these Encore presentations as well. We interact with our live listeners through our Facebook page, so if you'd like to ask a question of a guest or have us respond to your comment, make sure you've liked the page for The Dinner Party Show on Facebook. Our SoundCloud profile is where we feature reports from our special correspondents. You can access all of our social media platforms by visiting the links at the top left-hand side of our website, thedinnerpartyshow.com. They're located right next to the player. YouTube is where we post backstage video, and Twitter is where we spotlight quotes from the show and breaking dinner party show news, including announcements about upcoming guests and special episodes. For our podcast listeners, a complete unedited podcast of the entire show posts to iTunes the day after the episode debuts. We also have a show archive on our website, which allows you to stream or download complete episodes. Our production quality is high, and so, rather than compressing the sound file and sacrificing quality for our non-live 
listeners, we break our podcasts into four bite-sized servings. For our iTunes subscribers, if you'd like to have entire episodes downloaded automatically, make sure you've checked the setting, Get All Episodes. Otherwise, only the first serving will download automatically. At the risk of turning our entire show into a series of technical announcements, we're going to shut up now and get back to the live cast already in progress. I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And I'm Christopher Rice, and we've taken away all your technical excuses not to listen to the dinner party show. Time for Eric's rash pronouncement of the week. Having children is like having a flock of wild pigeons loose in your house. This has been Eric's rash pronouncement of the week. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Okay, we left one thing it's, out of that three-hour technical promo, which we have to remind people of. It's about our contest, which we were discussing earlier. The application that enters you into the contest does not work on mobile devices. Sorry, folks. It's new technology. We're doing the best we can. But if you're going to enter yourself into the contest, you need to actually be on a computer and go to our Facebook page. It won't work on an iPad either? I will not work on a phone. I know that for sure. I'm not sure about the iPad. Well, let's find out. Absolutely. So, but are we going to talk about this viral video that everybody came to the page talking of this week? A young student. I don't know. You're the one who's like deciding when we can talk about I'm stuff. trying to keep the show on track because we don't have a high maintenance guest over there demanding we talk about their new project. Anyway, the, the young man's name, I'm forgetting, Jeff Bliss. It's right here. He's from Duncanville, Texas, which is outside of Dallas. He apparently lost his temper with his history teacher. Now, again, the video that we're talking about is a very short clip, and it appears to begin in the middle of this rant that he issued, where in which he basically accused the teacher of kind of phoning it in, showing up, not really doing a job, not passionately engaging the students, and handing out a packet every time she came to class and just sort of instructing the students to learn from the packet. And so the guy gets up from his desk, and he's angry, and he says, you've got to engage people, you've got to speak to them, you've got to, you know, you can't just come in here and hand out this packet, you've got to meet people where they're at, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, she says, you're wasting my time, get out of the room, get out of the room. She just kind of said, and then by the end of it, she's saying, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, get out of the room. And then that's it. And everybody's – people either think this kid is a messiah who, or a prophet who spoke the truth in this restrictive setting or they think he's a little upstart and needs to respect his elders. Usually there's an age split in between those two points of view. Hmm. So anyway, what do you think? Did you watch it? Yeah. Yeah, I did. And, I, you know, it's one of those things where I don't know enough about the situation to have a real opinion about the nature of that actual exchange. I thought that the young man sounded maybe a little less acquainted with the English language than he might have. He would have sounded a little more convincing to me if he'd spoken English a little more. And it's not like it's a second language. I just think he's not that bright. Or mm. he didn't come off. He used the wrong words and sentences. And you remember that character on I'm not going to call the show because I call it by the wrong name. And the name I call it is too offensive. In living color. In living color. Yes. Yeah. You don't want to know what I actually call the show because yeah. it's just gross. And um, it's a mistake. 
And it's a mistake. <laughs> not intentional. But you remember the character who couldn't yes. ever... Damon Wayans yeah. would play the character. He would use very big words. I believe the term is malaprop. Is yeah, it? Was, was that the correct term? It was, uh, it, it yeah. was not... Uh, malaprop technically would be that you would use the word, uh, the wrong word, but it would have the right meaning, even though it was an unintended meaning. Hmm. With him, he just didn't know what he was saying, and he would say right, right. just wrong words. in the wrong, hmm. And that was kind of the way that it goes... Anyway, I'm going. I'm getting a little off the point. I, my biggest reaction to it is to the reaction to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think we have moved into a period of blaming teachers hmm. for um, the fact that kids are stupid and not doing well on tests, and mm-hmm. I don't think that's appropriate. Hmm. I would point out that the people, the countries that kick our butts in the training programs, you know, in in the outcome of of educational cycles, you know, school or whatever, high school or whatever, are are the more low-tech countries. China, they sit on a bench, they work on, you know, chalkboards with pieces of chalk, and they're killing us um, mm-hmm. on education. I think the biggest problem with education in our country is our attitude, this young man's included, about education, mm-hmm. not the education itself. Right. It is, we don't value people who are smart. We actually, I, I don't know about you, but my experience in school was that uh, we torture kids who are smart or mm-hmm. demonstrate um, intellectual abilities and we don't really do much to support them while we have special education programs in our schools for kids who are other abled. We don't really do much to support um, the mm-hmm. kids or as much to support the kids who are actually exceptional. If, as that young man points out in his rant, that this is the future of our country, I think it speaks purely p- pretty poorly of our country mm-hmm. that we have relegated education to the kind of um, – you know, second or third tier that we do in our culture and that we don't offer any more support. You know, like if those kids were all being locked up in their house and their iPods and iPads and whatever um, in some sort of lockaway closet until they had written a brilliant paper or excelled, mm-hmm. if, the, if at home they were getting the kind of support for education, uh, for doing well in school, that they they might be doing better irrespective of whether or not they were being handed packets or mm-hmm. right right because right. even in ideal and very well funded circumstances we're still doing crapo on the tests and i think it's because of what we bring to the experience more than the nature of the experience ourselves but it's really easy and facile to just say well the right, teachers right, aren't absolutely. really the teachers aren't doing a good enough. we need to be able to fire more teachers because that'll fix it right right i i agree i also honest i went a different direction when I watched it, the complete absence of context bothered me. And the speed with which this young man was being made a hero when we know absolutely nothing about his history at the school or his relationship. I made so many self-righteous speeches like that in school (laughs) to try to get out of something or to cover up for the fact that I hadn't turned in something. Sadly, there was no YouTube at the time. And what the internet has done, it's YouTube, it's all of it, it has lowered the bar for activism and heroism. That these little, like Charles Ramsey is a hero. Like the internet has done a good job of disseminating the fact that that man was a hero, but the internet was actually capturing a a long, pretty lengthy in terms of TV interviews, interview with him where he described his actions, actions which were then verified by the law enforcement authorities. So the internet's great in that regard. But when these like memes drive me crazy, like 90% of memes involve pseudo political facts completely taken out of context. And I'm sorry, I'm talking right and I'm talking left. 
They have no real substance to them. They don't they don't provide any depth or insight. They're just ways of saying, I believe this, you believe that, I believe this, you believe that. And I think that is the worst of what the internet does. And I think usually, inevitably, there is a investigation into what's really there after there's this huge initial inauthentic response to it based yeah, on almost the no information. Is on suspension or something. I, yeah. I, and you know, like, listen, and that investigation could yield the fact that she was torturing her students. She I don't may know be what. Horrible. Yeah. But the but the reality that he's being held up as this emblematic voice for truth when we know nothing about him like we we need we owe ourselves more than that like we are entitled to more knowledge than that about a subject and about an individual before we respond you know and there's this speed you know a lot of it was something they explored on that Netflix series House of Cards which I quite enjoyed about how journalism is now only about how fast you can post it and how many clicks right. it's going to get and by the time somebody parses your story and finds out that it's not based in fact nobody cares because they've moved on to the next thing. Yeah like that Shirley Sherrod thing where they had fired Absolutely. the woman before anybody even looked to see what the context of the video was that they were using Absolutely. Absolutely. That asshole, sorry he's dead, but not very much, yeah. Andrew Breitbart was posting, right. you know, where he was sort of skewing, benchmarking the truth, you know, skewing it into the Absolutely. kind of— Absolutely. And, and he manipulated the worst of the internet for his own ends over and over again. He was like a pioneer yeah, at it. That, that sort of horrible. attack dog— Sorry he's dead, uh, but honestly, what a terrible human being. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. You know? What a terrible person. <laughs> Whatever. I um, hope that he has the opportunity on the other side to see the kind of harm that he did to actual people right. in the real world. Right, absolutely. hate that sort of negative use. I, yeah, I think that we've had rev the, the Arab Spring— you know the sort of amazing mm -hmm. explosion of social media as a as a revolutionary tool in our culture it, it you know and the use of the internet in that way can be really phenomenal the way that we're getting reporting out of syria literally through the internet a lot of it is unverifiable so that you know yes we need to come up with some way of seeing things with an amount of you know a grain of salt as you say absolutely but um but yeah i i do I, I agree with you. I, I find it really tedious that people um, will respond in the absence of um, real information right. to the sort of emotion of the moment. Exactly. Uh, Ming Yurdore, one of our listeners, had this to say about the Jeff Bliss video. You think it's time for more of these the emperor has no closed moments? Should other students refuse to receive substandard teaching? And should other areas of life be similarly told off? Should someone walk into JR's bar in Dallas and say very loudly that if everyone donated as much time to helping others as they did to ironing their jeans into a perfect crease, that the world would be a better place? <laughs> You know, yeah. I, th that's, an, that's, you know, I, I think we spoke to all of that. I think if that was the person's well, real motive. It's sort of what know. I've been saying about the whole teaching thing in general. Like, I, it, what if I showed up at your office right. and said, you're doing a substandard job and how can we teach you and fire you if after 10 years on the job we don't, you know, you're not getting the kind of results. Like, what if we blamed economists for the state of the economy. I agree. Right. I think it's. I think it's. I think it is not. There is no causal link right. between the two. I think there are bad teachers out there, and I think that education unions ought to do a good job of policing those people and, you know, drumming them out of the core, as it were. But I don't think that we ought to encourage people to just simply decide on their own, particularly high school students with limited impulse control, to decide on their own that they think that the teacher is doing a substandard job. 
I actually admire the teacher's reserve in responding to the yeah. student getting up and making that outburst in the middle of her class. Uh, and all yeah. she really did was say, "You go outside." I know, and and you know, I, 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 we'll, we can close with this because I like having the last word. Okay. Oh, by the way, apparently they're pitching ideas for a TDPS drinking game on our Facebook page. Somebody should drink every time I go to the bathroom, or I'm sorry, every time you go to the bathroom, or every time I make a, a conversation all about me. This is not about me, but this is something I was told. We'll the, see. We'll be the judge of that. Cops. Okay? Cops. This is this is information that I've gotten from cops and from a lot of writer friends of mine who do research work with cops. Mm -hmm. Every other person that a cop encounters in their day has shoved them, spit on them, tried to urinate on them, called them names. You know, that is a cop's day. And so sometimes what we see is the video of that cop losing it. And sometimes the yeah, things probably because somebody tried to urinate yeah. on them. I Jesus mean, like, Christ, uh, that does is, that really happen the, oh, a lot? Oh my God, tried to urinate on yeah, them, like, but missed. Yeah, of course. And people who are I, mentally ill and is, all those sorts. Of, the point right. I'm trying to make is that, and then the video comes out the 400th time in the day that that happened, and that's the only moment that we see. And it doesn't excuse police brutality, which is a real thing, but again, the establishment of that requires investigation, it requires time, it requires multiple reports. It's not, like, 30 seconds of video is not going to blow a story wide open. I'm sorry. It just, we need more than that. And it can actually skew a story in the wrong direction. Right, exactly. All right. Well, on that serious note, I think it's time for a report from Miss Jonelle Sams. Oh, well, relationships are a very important part of our role here on the Internet. Absolutely. Here's hoping nobody tried to urinate on her this week. It's time once again for the Dinner Party Show's Homemade Relationship Advice with Jonelle Sams. Hi, this is Jonelle Sams with Homemade Relationship Advice. If you have a relationship question, you can send it to me care of the Dinner Party Show's Facebook fan page or at Jonelle at thedinnerpartyshow.com. This week on Homemade Relationship Advice, I'd like to talk to you about spring cleaning. The weather is all nice outside again. We've been stuck inside all winter and there's a couple of weeks left before the sweltering temperatures stifling humidity and being stuck inside all summer. I don't know about you, but I like to throw open the windows, let in some fresh air, hang the rugs on the line out back, and beat them with that old tennis racket Merle, my husband of 23, blissful tennis-free years is never going to use. Sweep all the loose fur and dander out of my taxidermy shed and generally toss out or donate all the clutter that builds up as part of having a full life. I think it's a good idea to do the same thing with your relationship from time to time, and spring is as good a time as any. Plus, it's nice enough out to escape for a long walk if things turn ugly. Now, there's never a crossword between Merle and me, but I think no small part of that is because we don't wait for the words to get crossed up before we say them. When my parents first got married, my mother fixed my father breakfast for the first time. Someone had given them some fig preserves in a gift basket or some such, and she put those preserves on the table with the toast. My father said something nice about those fig preserves, and so my mother, who never much cared for fig preserves herself, spent 37 years canning figs so there was always fig preserves on their breakfast table. And then it happened. The big drought of 79 hit. Everything mostly just withered on the vine. My mother did everything she could, but it was no use. There was a fig shortage, and that meant no fig preserves. Well, she did her best, but long about November, the figs ran out. 
Mother was always one to pull the bandage off slow, so she fretted and dreaded the inevitable morning when there was no fig preserves. She made her way to breakfast like she was attending a dear friend's funeral. Dusty, she said to him, I'm sorry as I can be to tell you, hon, but we are all out of fig preserves. Oh, well, my father said, not much looking up from the Poison Creek watchman. I never much liked figs. Well, my mother did not come out of her room for a week. Fortunately, my father never noticed, but it was a close call. My point is, little miscommunications can turn into big trouble if you let them fester. If my father had been honest at the first breakfast, my mother, no fan of the fig, could have skipped years of needless picking, washing, blanching, and bathing tens of thousands of unwanted figs. So, to keep your relationship fresh and fig-free, a little spring cleaning can go a long way. Tired of fishing equipment in the front hall? Say so. Merle did, and it was no trouble for me to keep it in my laundry room off the back porch. Tired of there being no room for your taxidermy carcass molds because of all the upholstery fabric in every single spare inch in the house? Tell him. I did, and Merle was delighted to keep most of his stuff over at his friend Olson's house. He has been so considerate, there's almost no sign of him around this house at all. If you've got relationship troubles, you might want to consider a little spring cleaning. Most of us spend more time taking care of our cars, cleaning and painting our houses, mowing our lawns, and washing our clothes than we do tending to our relationships. So remember, if you take as good a care of your relationship as you do your car, both are likely to last longer, run better, and give you fewer headaches. Till next time, I'm Jonelle Sams with Homemade Relationship Advice. If you have relationship questions, write to Jonelle Care of the Dinner Party Show Facebook page or to Jonelle at thedinnerpartyshow.com. Just for the records, I'm crazy about fig preserves. The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. The dish is served. For those of you who have been with The Dinner Party Show from our first episode, you're fully aware that our critic at large, Jordan Ampersand, is a moron. After having survived being electrocuted at the White Party, Jordan almost killed me last week with a remote control helicopter at a bookstore, no less. As you might have noticed, I'm a rather outspoken person. And so, in light of these horrific events, and in light of the fact that I was never in favor of making Jordan a part of this show to begin with, I demanded that my co-host and fellow executive producer of The Dinner Party Show, Christopher Rice, sit down with Jordan this week and lay down some new ground rules. Lucky for you guys, Christopher taped the conversation without Jordan's knowledge. Why couldn't Fitzpatrick come? Because I need to talk to you, and Fitzpatrick is always high. He's not the reason you and I broke up, by the way. No, you're the reason we broke up, and we weren't really dating. Anyway, Jordan, the situation with you and Eric cannot continue. I'll say. He needs to cut his hair. What? That was like a totally small remote control helicopter, and it never would have injured him if it hadn't caught in his hair. He should have had like a side part or a page boy cut or something cute. As of now, his hair is ridiculous. It's like hell helicopter entrapment. Jordan, what happened in the bookstore last weekend is the least of it. Look, the issue here is that you guys have got to find a way to work together. I'll say it's either him or me. 
then it will be him because it's the dinner party show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Then what am I doing here? Are you firing me? It's not like you pay me or anything. We hired you to be the critic at large. You were supposed to review places and products, and then our listeners were going to use our affiliate links to buy them, and you were going to get a commission of every sale. But you haven't gone anywhere or done anything except fight with Eric. I totally found products for your sales page. You were using our website to sell pairs of your used underwear. There's a big market for my used underwear in the flyover states. Japan is not a flyover state. Fitzpatrick is here. Oh, shit. Tracy, tragic, 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 tragic. Fitzpatrick, I love you. Are your shoes made out of the entire seal? Do you all see that leopard playing the violin? I should ask him for some poetry. uh, Fitzpatrick, could you give us a minute? I have a handful of minutes. They're dancing in the palm of my hand. Would you like me to make a dragon out of my dreams? Don't be mean to him when he's like this. He's always like this. I'll be outside painting my raindrops with the needles in my eye. See, with Fitzpatrick, it always just works out. So, you're firing Eric, and No, I'm not firing Eric. I'm here because you and Eric need to find a way to work together. Then just fire me. I have other stuff to do. Like what? Well, after this, I have to walk home because I still can't drive after the DUI. And then, if Fitzpatrick sobers up, we're going to try to make paper airplanes that look like the real housewives of Beverly Hills. I'm very busy. Just fire me already. I can't fire you. Why not? My mom likes you. Your mom who wrote Twilight? Shh, keep your voice down. No, she didn't write Twilight. Jesus Christ. We we can't kick you off the show because my mother loves you and she wants to sponsor your segment, okay? So we have to find a way to make this work. Yeah, like giving me some of that sponsorship money. Maybe, provided you can adhere to some very simple ground rules. Are you listening, Jordan? Trashy, tragic, tragic, trashy, trashy. Go away, Fitzpatrick. The Frog Kingdom beckons. Okay, rule one, once a month, at least once a month, you have to go somewhere. You have to actually go to the place that you're going to be reporting on. Now, rule two, Eric will always accompany you, and you guys will do your report from there at the place you're supposed to be reviewing, always, all right? Now, rule three, you are never to bring Fitzpatrick, ever, okay? Rule four, you are not to drive a car. You don't have your license back yet, and we cannot afford the insurance. Is that all? For now. Well, I have some conditions of my own. Oh, crap. In light of these trumped-up drunken driving charges... You ran over a fire hydrant and tried to have sex with the cop that pulled you over. As I was saying, I would like to have my own car and driver separate from Eric and his hair. Also, I would like a lucite cube full of live butterflies and a Bellamy boy, either current or former but still hot, who will release them upon my command. Also, I want you guys to start having, like, fun guests, like teen moms or terrorists that are cute, because some of them are, and we need to raise awareness. Also, I want the site to start promoting Fitzpatrick's new line of Valerian root-infused jackstraps. Oh, and also, I want to get paid, like, big numbers, like $5,000, and that's five as in 500 million, a zero as in 101, another zero as in 1,500, and another... What are you 
doing? The number, what? People do it for letters all the time. Don't you have to do it for numbers too? You know, like they say A is for apple, B is for boy. No, 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 you don't do it for numbers too. Oh my God, huh. how are we going to Okay, do well, this? here's the last one, and it's a total deal breaker. What? I get to interview your mom the next time she comes on the show. That is not going to happen. Fine. Then you'll just have to explain to her why I quit. You know what? Yeah, no, no, no. Jordan, here's what we'll do. We'll do the same thing we did last time we had an issue like this when you almost destroyed our studio. We'll put it to our listeners on the Facebook page, and they will get to decide whether or not you are up to interviewing a writer of my mother's stature. Fine. That should be awesome. They love me. Now, are we done? Because it looks like Fitzpatrick got his head stuck in that newspaper box. Oh, Christ. Yes, go. Go. Now, just go. Oh, my God. How does Eric do this every week? You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for The Dish, brought to you by your mother, Mistress of Guilt. <sighs> That's okay. Go ahead and step on my foot. Why would I need to walk anywhere? I haven't been anyplace nice in years. The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. Well, I'm back from the bathroom, so everybody drink. Drink up. Drink <laughs> up. We hear there's a there are drinking games that every time I go to the bathroom, everybody has a shot, or every time Christopher turns the subject back to, you know, Christopher. That reminds me of a moment I had with my cats last there night. There we are. Everybody we were have another shot. television, and the cats went, meow. Anyway, we really stirred things up with our previous segment about, what is his name? Daniel Bliss. Something Bliss. Jeffrey Bliss, Jeffrey I Bliss. think. Jeffrey Bliss. But mainly we were talking about the issue of education and American teachers. And we have a lot of people asking us if we were ignoring his point because we didn't have context. I, I, I don't think devoting a segment to his video constitutes as ignoring his point. I'd say we're actually spending a lot of time on his point. But I think without context, it's sort of meaningless. I mean, I could walk into a high-end clothing store on Melrose and begin decrying fur. But if there was no fur in the store... It would be a meaningless moment, and, and a video of that speech would begin, you know, giving the false impression that the store had fur in it. So I think that's that's really the point I'm trying to make. I, I'm less about the education thing, which I think is a really thorny, complicated issue well, that we can't resolve in the show. Greg Wilkie, one of the our listeners, pointed out that you know maybe it was that it wasn't appropriate for him to do what he did. That what he was saying was maybe valid, and, and as I say, it may have been. Well, here's the accusation that he does make in the video, which can be verified, right? He claims that the teacher came into class, I think a few weeks before, and said, you guys are just a paycheck to me. Now, maybe she was kidding. Maybe she had her tongue in her cheek. And if that comment isn't coupled with a history of being a lousy teacher, I'm not sure how much that comment means in the scheme of things. But honestly, I, I, think, the, I think the larger point is that it doesn't make any difference. Like, if your education is contingent on somebody else, then you might as well, you know— drop out because hmm. that's never going to be the key to learning. And It is wonderful to have an engaged and enthusiastic instructor. And I think as you progress through the system, as you get to smaller classes and a more seminar kind of environment, those things begin to happen more and more. But in giant survey classes, I mean, welcome, you know, it's a little clueless. Welcome to reality. You're going to get handed a bunch of packets from somebody who is following a prescribed formula 
for teaching you a cer- to a, an outline mm-hmm. of a series of pre-prescribed right. test points that you're going to have to walk out of 101. You have to get to 501 or 701 before you're actually going to have somebody come in and sit in a circle with you and talk about, you know, Napoleon's nose hair or whatever right. it is that you want. I, I think it's an unrealistic expectation of a right. survey class right. on um, world history that the teacher is going to be wildly engaged in everything. And I think it is an unwise expectation to think that your education is contingent on somebody else. I, yeah, that's an Abraham Lincoln was a fairly intelligent man, and he was an autodidact for the most part. He taught himself almost everything he knew. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anybody would indict whatever teachers, if there were any, that he actually had. They right. certainly weren't, you know, armed with high technology or computers or right yeah you know, no right absolutely i mean part of this pains me because i come from an incredibly privileged background my mother was very successful she sent me to one of the best schools in town and we did get the kind of attention that you're describing right i mean some of this i feel like it is a class thing it is a statement on our public education but we were talking about this during the break what the hell are all these kids doing on their cell phones? Absolutely. I think I'm that's sorry. the bigger like, point. I-, I hate to sound like grandpa here, but get off your phone. Like, wh- I'm, a, I'm a little astonished that they're allowed to have cell phones in the classroom right. at all. Right. Like, that's where I would start. Right. I, the fact that we're seeing this video means that somebody had their cell phone at the ready, which yeah. also is a little suspicious to me. Did they plan to do this mm-hmm. to sort of bomb this teacher to get even with her? Back in my day, all you could plan to do was get on America's Funniest Home Videos. So me and the cousins, we would try to have a quote-unquote accident in the yard that we could then submit to America's Funniest Home Videos. We didn't have YouTube back wow. then in 1993. I did make it about me. Everybody drink. Drink up. And once again, it's all about Christopher. <laughs> because you, you you, don't have a tendency to go on at all, Eric Sharp. Oh, I man. go on, but I go you on about my opinions okay. about everything. We're getting breaking news from the Facebook page. It's looking like the early numbers are in, and oh, man, it looks like Jordan Ampersand's going to be interviewing Anne Rice next time she comes on the show. Okay, well, you know, I won't say that I didn't warn Everyone. Do you want her sponsorship money or not? Because that's what's the other way. We cut the little fucker loose if we didn't. We weren't after her sponsoring the segment. Oh, I'm sorry. Are we getting sponsorship money? What? Well, that's what she's going to sponsor his segment. That's the only reason we're keeping him on. He's practically <laughs> killed us. He almost killed you. He almost destroyed our studio. And he's been arrested and didn't tell us while he was working for the show, which is liability for yeah, us. Yeah, I got to say, I'm glad we have that tape. That that talk went really well, Christopher. <sighs> you you know really what? handled that beautifully. Patrick throws me. He throws me every. He's so weird and crazy and high. Every time he shows up, I just get I, I get He's off. He's kind of manageable. You can just sort of put him in a chair or put his head in a newspaper box. Apparently, which yes, is what that happened last that's time. also very helpful. Okay, well, who else haven't we talked about? I think we've covered Jeffrey Bliss. If there's anybody well, out there who thinks there's something else we should say about him, I'll tell you. We got an exciting post from Amy Bellino. I hope I pronounced your last name correctly. I'm just gonna get a, a hotkey that says I hope I pronounced your last name correctly. Maybe we could call the show that. I hope I pronounced your last name correctly. <laughs> Amy Bellino In international maybe, markets, that's what we'll call the Amy, show. Amy Bellino. Uh, she's wondering what we think of the trend of gay wedding receptions happening in states that, that do not as yet allow gay marriage. Amy herself has some conflicting emotions on this trend because she thinks celebrating in a state that won't allow your legal gay marriage is a little odd. Uh, Will they do anything in the state with the additional funds to help get a gay marriage proposition passed in the state? 
What additional funds? Well, I don't know. I guess it would be you'd have to make a decision of let's say the state were actively <laughs> promoting the idea of having your gay wedding there. <laughs> I think it's a weird proposition to begin with because why would you have your reception in a state where your marriage isn't going to be recognized? Like well, I would go to New York to have my gay wedding. Sure. I, I mean, and I think that's obviously the optimum, but I also think that just like uh, coming out, is an important, mm-hmm. I think, component of our civil rights in this country. I think making people aware that you are getting married, whether they approve of it or not, because in the end, it's as much a state of mind as it is a political statement. You know right. what I mean? As a civil, as a civil agreement between two people, I think that we certainly want the rights that flow from it. But you can say that you're married to somebody. You know, there's common law marriages in the world, obviously not for us, but mm-hmm. um, for everyone that don't even involve the ceremony at all. So I think that living together and letting people know that you're living together and that you are married and that you are making those commitments to each other is an important part of yeah. of moving your state towards civil rights. That said, I guess her objection is that the, she doesn't yeah, yeah, want them spending money in the in state. In states that don't support gay marriage, they get the income from the reception. Well, I think what we ought to do is do a better job of reporting just how much income is flowing into places like New York and mm-hmm. Massachusetts, and I hope very soon, California. Fingers crossed. uh, Fingers crossed um, from gay marriages. I think that if it was an actual economic number, that to me would be more convincing than any amount you could spend or not spend on your own individual Mm -hmm. ceremony. Those kinds of numbers would... I think, convince anybody. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for your question, Amy. It was obviously one that made us think. And now it's time for a word from one of our sponsors, and then we'll be back with more controversy and more comments because you are the guest on this episode. But no more thinking. We have thought enough. (laughs) In the magical kingdom of Tarsus, a happy porcine family makes their way to market. Come, my darlings, let us to market, for the day is bright and the cupboard is bare. But not all could make the journey, no matter how merry, as plague threatened the plantar region. I'm staying home. There's talk of fungus coming down from the metatarsals, and I'm too weak to chance it after that recent blow I took at Sharp Corner. A sage decision, my brother. You keep the home fire burning, and we'll bring you back some of that mycotin spice that you favor. Aye, you're a good piggy, you are. And thank you for saying so, Brother Second Toe. But every family faces conflict, even when united in the most joyous of tasks. I'll have roast beef, I will. I'll have none of it. Meat is murder. It isn't. It is. It isn't. It is. My darling, so close in everything you two are. What tumult's this? I tell you it is. Murder it is. I hope somebody drops a hammer on you. <gasps> and in the midst of the conflict, tragedy. Wee, wee, wee. Where's everyone gone? Have they left without me? Did they leave me here at market? Son of a bitch. What kind of piggies are these? One little piggy left at market on his own to find his way. Wee, wee, wee. He cried all the way home. Will the little piggy find his way? Where can they be? They can't have gone more than a foot. Will the others miss him before it's too late? It is murder, I tell you it is. I'll shut it, the both of you, or this is the last time I take you to market. 
Hey, where's little Shrimpy? Will the studios continue their illiterate journey through the entire fairy tale and Mother Goose canon because all the development executives quit reading as soon as they had to do it for themselves? This spring, take a magical voyage to Tarsus for the tragic, uplifting, and 3D story of five little piggies and their journey all the way home. Lord, I'm going to skip that one if you don't mind. Son of a bitch, what kind of piggies are these? I love that spot. Speaking of piggies, I can't believe we hopped over this earlier when I mentioned it. Let's get your update on Da Vinci's Ugh. demons. Well, I have to say that they I didn't think this show could get any more offensive and this Sunday this Friday's this past Friday's episode topped anything I have ever seen. Every joke on the show was about fudge packing and up the butt sex jokes about whatever. The entire um it was for those of you who haven't heard there's a new television series about Leonardo da Vinci noted gay genius from uh-huh. history um that's on uh the Stars network and it's been they've developed this gay washing atrocity where they are just ruling out any possibility that they they're trying to make him into a straight hero right which really really pisses me off it um, pisses me off too but not quite as much as it does Eric. just it, this just makes me crazy yeah. when it happens in the media when they take one of our heroes and turn them into some you know fake straight versions of themselves to suit their own bigotry and to make it okay to be anyway whatever and so, they always do it by saying his sexuality was very complicated and it, it wasn't was very, very it was very clear there was never any evidence of him ever dating a woman ever he and he has very, been in yeah. the bathtub and in the sack with this woman from the gate mm-hmm. on this show something that there is no evidence that he ever did, yeah. ever in his life. Meanwhile, he lived with a man most of his he life. He loved complicated penises. Yeah, whatever. He drew 5,000 pages in his notebooks were devoted to sketches very complicated of penises. Yeah, so not so much. Anyway, that came up this week. They brought out his notebook because they explored the sodomy trial, which one of the things that in addition to being gay, he was also persecuted for being gay. So they brought out all of the evidence against him saying that he was gay to refute it so that they could literally make and made him all adamant about I must be cleared of these charges. No one must suspect this me. The, my absolute favorite moment on the show was when they compared homosexuality to bestiality, saying it was even bestiality was even worse than Ooh, homosexuality. Made Le- this comparison Leonardo on the show. Leonardo made this comparison on the show oh. when he was um, having at his enemy on the show, Jesus. which I would say spoiler alert, and I guess I won't spoil it for people because I have principles about that. But honest to God, I was so, like, this really maxed it out. Like, I, I guess that David Goyer is just a hack and that the only reasons that the Batman movies were any good was because of the Nolans. I, I just, I, I just, I could not have been more. Yeah. Um, put off by it was so they took an actual historical incident of Leonardo da Vinci being persecuted for being a gay man and made it into a way of Leonardo defending himself against me and those of us who would assert the truth about Mm -hmm. this character so that he could clear his name and prove whatever he did I will say in their defense 
kiss a man because one of the, his accuser, one of his a model, who brought a picture of himself with a big old erection um, later to give back to Leonardo, but not to court. Um, they had a sort of rapprochement moment at the end of the show where they kissed, and uh, Leonardo said, every kiss has a meaning, and the meaning of this kiss is goodbye. There'll be somebody else for you. And he talked about how, you know, as an as a scientist, he was experimenting with all kinds of things. You know, Jesus again, Christ. dismissing any sort of um, effort to um, imply that this gay man, this gay genius and this historical figure was in fact who he was and that no he's really a straight guy and it was just science and this is this is that not some fringe guy's this is not some fringe school of thought that Leonardo da Vinci was gay as we covered previously no. on the show there is an enormous body of scholarship respected the leader of the national gallery at one point saying that there's no evidence this man had any heterosexual inclinations None. whatsoever and so it's a complete invention on the part of these people but it's it's past the point because when you first started talking about this when we both first started talking talking about this. Ugh. People said, well, it's not clear from the first episode and be patient and wait. Well, it's clear now, guys. It's clear. You know, I'm sorry. The, you know, this is Every beyond... week it's more offensive and more insulting yeah. and more... The, the thing that really is surprising to me, I've never heard back from Glad and I've never heard anything from Glad. The gay press Glad. is nowhere on this. Yeah. Nowhere. There was one article on The Advocate uh, that was like a press release about the show that did not... Now, to their credit, the comments thread below, The Advocate requires you to use your Facebook account to post a comment, which I think is actually a good thing, but the comments thread below was on fire about it. It, but there's been no coverage that I've seen in either Out or The Advocate about the complete, Nothing. I don't know, are we calling it straight washing or gay washing? Which I, direction does it go in? I guess it's, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Straight there's washing. Because that's what they're doing is they're making them into whitewashing makes yeah, things white. So right. straight washing makes things straight, straight washing. I guess. There's been nothing about this. There really hasn't. And, and I, I just I think it's gross. What it says is that is that the it's the campaign that they did beforehand. People from the show went out to various gay websites like AfterElton.com and they gave interviews in which they said that his sexuality would be depicted as complex and complicated. And they didn't say he was going to be depicted as a straight Lothario who was hopping in bed with a woman. It every episode. At anything, they implied that he was going to be sexless. And by the way, that's the evidence nobody can argue with. Like, there's no evidence of him getting involved with a woman at all. But what there is, possibly as a result of him being secretive about his homosexuality, persecuted. is evidence that he never had sex with anyone publicly or that he was never public about who he was having sex with, which is the sign that he was gay. It just tried. Maybe I am as upset as you. I'm pretty upset, but yeah. yeah, you're starting to get more worked up. Well, maybe I've inspired you, and I you hope have. I've inspired all of you. Write to Glad and write to Stars and write to Out and write to Advocate and ask them what's going on. Why are we not hearing anything about it? I, I mean, certainly you're hearing about it on the dinner party show, and I'm glad that you're here. But I just, I this is, and this is. Not an isolated incident. No. This is a standard media practice. This is the continuing, which is why I'm surprised about GLAD. This is the, the, the way in which we are marginalized by the media as a minority in this country where we just eliminate. If you did this to any other, if you did a show about Cesar Chavez and made him into, you know, a white Protestant guy. Right. Well, I don't know. Maybe he was a Protestant. I have no idea. I shouldn't have said it. But, you know, into not a Latin person. If yeah. you made him into somebody who is, I think people would feel upset about it. And this is the same 
thing. Yeah. And it happens over and over and over again in the media. There are many examples in the movies, and it I, I just it makes and it just makes me crazy. Like I'm old enough to know the difference and smart enough and educated enough, but some kid is going to see this show. Some little gay boy is going to see this show or somebody with doubts about their own right. sexuality and not see that you could be smart and be a genius and be a hero and be all of the things they're making this guy out to be and OPS also be a gay person. That just is wrong. It is. It's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. And Eric Sharkoin has to go to the bathroom. So we're going to bring you another installment in our special series, World's Worst Pitch Meeting, and then we're back for the dessert portion of the evening here Everybody on drink. the Dinner Party Show. Drink up. Eric's going to the loo. For all the terrible films Hollywood puts out every year, there are literally hundreds of thousands of awful movie ideas Hollywood executives don't buy. In order to protect their legacy, some of the film industry's top producers have provided us with secret recordings of some of the worst pitch meetings they've ever been forced to sit through. That's why we call this series World's Worst Pitch Meeting. Here's another installment. You, you know, normally I don't like to start pitch meetings off this way, but I've just got to gush for a few seconds here and tell you what a fan I am of all of your novels. I, I, I was just a boy when my mother introduced me to your work, and I, you took me to another world is what you did, and I, I hope we can find something to work on so we can go to another world together. Well, aren't you just a dear? What a dear thing of you to say, young man. I, I often fear the world has forgotten my little tales for children, and then every now and then I come across someone as kind, generous as you, someone who reminds me that my little stories did indeed have an impact. Absolutely. I truly appreciate you flying in from London for this <laughs> meeting. Your agent says you have all sorts of ideas we can talk through today, and I can't wait. It'll be a pleasure just to hear them. Oh, how dear you are. How very dear. Yes, well, you know, I've always taken classic children's fairy tales and tried to reimagine them for new generations of readers, while, of course, maintaining what was precious and integral about them to begin with. Fairy tales are reservoirs of meaning in and of themselves, and they never run dry. They just sort of continue to produce and pump out meaning over the years. This time, this time, mind you, I'd like to add a bit of a twist to a classic tale. Excellent. Hollywood loves a twist. But will they love a twist in Cinderella? Are you kidding? Hollywood loves a Cinderella story. Oh, good, good. For in this Cinderella story, things are going to be a bit different. You see, in my version, I ask... What if she did make it back in time? What if the carriage never turned back into a pumpkin and her beautiful gowns never turned back into rags? What if it was all hers to keep without any need to try on some stupid glass slipper in front of her ugly stepsisters? What if upon realizing all of these dazzling riches were hers to keep forever, Cinderella turned to the prince next to her and said... Fuck you, Prince. I'm off to have all the cock in London. I've timed things well, and it's time to get shagged hard. Oh, my God. I thought we were going to do something for kids. Oh, bloody children. My whole life has been about the children. It's time the parents had a bit of fun, don't you think? Have you read the C.L. James? I was reading her on the flight over, and she's a great deal of fun. 
why don't we bring her in and see if she wants to work on this too? We can add a bit of groping and clamping and pinching and twisting and all those tasty bits. What do you think? We could even throw in the little mice for a real bit of fun. What do you think? They could just run everywhere, couldn't they? You want to do a pornographic version of Cinderella? Well, Anne Rice already has the Sleeping Beauty thing locked up. And it's not so much pornography as much as it's about, you know, fuck the prince. Well, more importantly, fuck the prince and then be done with the prince and move on to another prince. Because you see, what I haven't told all those little kiddies in my stories over the years is that the prince and the princess, they both get old, you see. They both get very, very old if you keep them around. One day it's all ball gowns and carriages, and then the next you turn around and there's this great heap of flesh lying in the bed next to you smelling of cod. We should all have a bit of fun, is what I'm trying to say. We should all have a bit of fun while we can. That's the premise, if you will. Perhaps it's even the title. A bit of fun, that's what you want to call it? Or perhaps Cinderella has a bit of fun, or Cinderella's fun, or perhaps, despite what you've heard, Cinderella has a lot of uh, fun. It sounds like a porn film to me. Oh, an American is suddenly going to have a fit of class, is he? You know, this would probably go better with some cocaine. Do you have any? I'm told Hollywood is just... Stuffed Tell with cocaine. You what? Why don't we take a little break and I'll have my assistant Hannah take you on a tour of the lot? Oh, and then water. by the time you get back, I will have managed to come to terms with the fact that I just got pitched a porn film by my favorite children's book author. Such a fragile nation you are. No wonder you all need so many guys. Hannah, how about that tour, huh? Before I have a breakdown in here. Oh, hello. <laughs> Hannah, aren't you a hot little number? How about a little girl on girl while he watches? Okay, that's enough. Thank you for coming, really. Thanks. Fuck the prince, indeed. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for dessert. Brought to you by your sister's new husband who's had way too much wine. I mean, everybody's cheated at least once, right? I, I, I mean, am I right? The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. Well, I hope everybody took the opportunity for their next shot because I'm back from the boys' room now. I hope they're wasted because... The little radio show host's room. We are rolling out the big guns with this one. We are rolling out the topic that everyone has been bitching about on Facebook all week long. Okay, well, I don't... The the evolution of this story, as I should say, is a little odd. I think somebody reported... That Abercrombie and Fitch. Somebody, eh? Some people say. (laughs) The Fox News device, uh, which I used this week on my page. But anyway, uh, somebody reported that Abercrombie and Fitch had no plans to uh, begin producing an XL or an XXL for women. Okay. Which H&M did earlier this year. H&M made it clear that they will be stocking sizes for women at at that size. Right. Plus size. Plus size women. Big women. Uh, And so Abercrombie and Fitch said, no, we're not doing it. We're never going to do it. And somebody dug up an interview from 2006. And I remember when this interview was published and it didn't, I don't remember it making quite as many waves as it did this week when it was coupled with this announcement. But this is a writer named Benoit Denizé-Lewis who's actually published a few books. Let's let's take a moment to spritz back over that name. Benoit Denizé-Lewis is very French. Are there hyphens and accents? Denizé-Lewis is hyphenated. Accents. 
Excellent. Yes. What an excellent name. I know, right? Absolutely. And so he was given he, – initially, he was given access to Mike Jeffries, who's the CEO of Abercrombie & Fitch. He's been the CEO for many years. He turned the company from what Salon describes as a moribund company into a multi-billion dollar brand. Yeah, it was this old hat yeah. haberdashers from when a million years ago when they – and then suddenly it was the sexiest brand in the country. Absolutely. Largely thanks to the efforts of Mike Jeffries. So here's what happened. For two days, Benoit Denizé-Lewis was allowed to sit down with Mike Jeffries. Then he made a series of comments to Benoit, and the rest of the interviews were canceled. So I'm going to read to you some excerpts from the 2006 interview, which people have dug up. Jeffries won't discuss um, any of the uh, previous controversies the company has faced with me, and he fidgets nervously and grew visibly agitated when I asked about several of the lawsuits he has weathered in his 14 years at the helm of Abercrombie & Fitch. Mm. Our first bump came when I mentioned the 2002 uproar over the company's thongs for middle school girls, oh dear. which had, quote, eye candy and, quote, wink, wink, printed on their fronts. That was a bunch of bullshit, he said, sweating profusely. People said we were cynical, that we were sexualizing little girls. But you know what? I still think those are cute underwear for little girls. And I think anybody who gets on a bandwagon about thongs for little girls is crazy. Just crazy. He put sweating profusely in his interview? Uh, no, <laughs> no, this is the reporter describing I know. Mike Jeffries. Yeah. Well, that's a little... like. Okay, like I think that maybe the response is self-indicting, but to describe your sweating interviewee profusely. as sweating profusely, it <laughs> seems kind of agenda-driven, shall we maybe say? Maybe so. And maybe there's some more agenda. Sweating like a we... lying old bastard. <laughs> So Jeffries goes on to say, there's so much craziness about sex in this country. It's nuts. I can see getting upset about letting your girl hang out with a bunch of old pervs, but why would you let your girl hang out with a bunch of old pervs? Should we puzzle over that one for a minute? It's allegedly a direct quote. Anyway, this is Benoit Denizé-Lewis goes on to say, Later I brought up the brouhaha surrounding the A&F Quarterly, which, until it was discontinued— Was so hot. In 2003. Oh, my God. Bring it back. <laughs> Boasted articles about the history of orgies and pictures of chiseled, mostly white, all-American boys and girls— but mostly boys, Yes, cavorting naked on horses, beaches, pianos, surfboards, statues, and phallically suggestive tree trunks. FYI, I, Christopher Rice, was featured in an interview in the ANF Quarterly, Drink Up. Uh, the Magalog so outraged the American <laughs> Decency Association that it called for a boycott and started selling anti-Abercrombie t-shirts that said, quote, Ditch Fitch! Abercrombie peddles porn and exploits children! Well, that probably improved sales. Meanwhile, gay men across America were eagerly collecting the magazines. Pushing gay people men down. Like Eric Shaw Quinn. To get a hold of him. It was spectacular. So here's what he goes on to say. Jeffries nearly fell over in exasperation when I mentioned the Magalog, although I'm not quite sure which charge, that he sells sex to kids or that his advertising is homoerotic, bothered him more. That's just so wrong, he said. I think that what we represent sexually is healthy. It's playful. It's not dark. It's not degrading. And it's not gay. And it's not straight. And it's not black. And it's not white. It's not about any labels. That would be cynical. And we're not cynical. It's all depicting this wonderful camaraderie. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, camaraderie. Friendship and playfulness that exist in this generation and candidly does not exist in the older generation. Whatever the fuck that means. Really? Old people are also grumpy. Where do they? Where does he think all those young people came from? <laughs> I know, right? He goes on. Uh, Jeffries alternates his grumpy defensiveness, <laughs> wording used by the interviewer, 
with moments of surprising candor, making him at times seem oddly endearing. He admitted things out loud that some youth-focused retailers wouldn't. And here we get into the grist of what made everybody so angry this ah, week, which may or may not be— The point emerges. And he says, which may or may not be why he panicked and pulled his cooperation from the story two days after I left ANF headquarters, offering no explanation. For example, when I ask him how important sex and sexual attraction are in what he calls the, quote, emotional experience he creates for his customers, he says— it's almost everything. That's why we hire good-looking people at our stores, because good-looking people attract other good-looking people, and we want to market to cool, good-looking people. We don't market to anyone other than that. <laughs> and as far as Jeffries is concerned, America's unattractive, overweight, or otherwise undesirable teens can shop elsewhere. Those, again, are the words of the interviewer. Now, this is the quote attributed to Jeffries. In every school, there are the cool and popular kids. And then there are the not-so-cool kids, he says. Candidly, we go after the cool kids. We go after the attractive, all-American kid with a great attitude. And a lot of friends. A lot of people don't belong in our clothes, and they can't belong. Are we exclusionary? Absolutely. Those companies that are in trouble are trying to target everybody. Young, old, fat, skinny. Yeah, but Walmart then you become totally banal. I know. Walmart's just broke. You don't alienate anybody, but you don't excite anybody either. Okay, so that that last chunk is the quote that got everybody so That's mad. That's why this everybody's week. really yeah. upset. And let me tell you what I don't like about it, okay? Well, I don't believe Abercrombie and Fitch should make or sell clothes to anybody they don't want to sell clothes to. But I don't believe the popular kids are popular because they have a great attitude. I think 99.9% .9 of the time the popular kids are popular because they're hot or they're rich, okay? And I think what bothered a lot of people, whether they're admitting it or not or whether they're aware of it or not, was the equation with physical attractiveness with, like, integrity or, like, being a good guy because the two are not always the same thing. You cannot judge a book by its cover, you know. I, and so you can't. You can't. You can't. Look you at any of my books. a lot of time on the cover of your new book. There are no penises in the cover <laughs> of my books, and it's just full of Leonardo da Vinci sketches of penises. Anyway, I think that's what that's what bothered me about it. Okay, so now it's your turn. Well, After I, I read the entire article, just to address that particular bear, I think he sounds delusional. What they're after is people that, you know, that will. Believe do, they will, will become will, popular. Right, yeah. will do whatever. They're after the most suggestible, the most trend-following. The, the most insecure. The most insecure. People who feel like a label on what they're wearing is actually in some way establishes who they are. I, I think the larger issue, and maybe this isn't just an Abercrombie and Fitch thing, I think that we are in a terrible place with fashion design in this country and in general. I believe that most designers design for people who don't exist or are, you know, mm -hmm. if, if you have to be a supermodel to look good in the clothes, mm -hmm. and I don't think that's just true of Abercrombie and Fitch, mm -hmm. then you're a shitty designer. If I am an architect and I can only design a great house for a perfectly flat lot, mm -hmm that's in ideal conditions and perfect sunlight and perfect growing, whatever, then I'm a lousy architect. And mm -hmm. if I'm a fashion designer and in order to look good in my clothes, you have to have surgery or be a size zero or whatever, then I kind of suck. Mm -hmm. I think that clothes, the designers should be up to the task of making whoever puts on their clothes, obviously you have to get the right size, but make you look good. And if you're not up to that task, then you're kind of lame. But, I think but how do you do that when you're mass producing clothes on this scale would be my question. Well, I have no idea, but 
I'm not a fashion designer. Right. I would think that there's bound to be better ways to do it than the way that we're doing it currently. I would say that if size zero is what you're designing for, that's not how you mass produce clothes that make a lot of people look good. If you're designing with that aesthetic in mind. Right. I think in uh, earlier eras, say in the 80s or whatever, where uh, clothing, and I'm not necessarily advocating that we look like we did in the 80s. I'm just saying, mm -hmm. as an example, clothing had big shoulders and was upwardly directed so that it might conceal a broader waist or a dumpier sort of, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If, every, if mm -hmm. in order to, if I have to wear lycra or something skin tight to look good and I'm a little dumpier, well, then it's not going to work. But if I have something right. that's flowy or so fashion has led us down this path in general. I think Abercrombie and Fitch and this asshole mm -hmm. um, is sweaty or not is clearly capitalizing on people's on the what has ultimately been the outgrowth of the and I'm doing air quotes here designer influence in fashion mm -hmm. is that it's more about the label than it is about the design or right. about who's wearing it. It's about establishing our identity. Calvin Klein really started it. Like he didn't say you're going to look like Sinjin Smith when he painted that naked guy up on the, in Times Square wearing a pair of wife of his wife fronts. But that was the implication right. where these, and Ralph Lauren sells that wonderful sort of lifestyle and he's taken it on the chin for you know, literally photoshopping his models into some sort of, mm -hmm. you know, beyond bulimic right. skinniness right. Um, that, you know, to establish an ideal. But people are buying into that whole lifestyle. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that as a marketing trend. But I think that it is we have reached a place where what you're getting in, in no way can offer you what fashion ought to offer you, mm -hmm. which is, you know, the best and most flattering clothing that's designed right. with people in mind, with actual people in mind. I, I Details Magazine is my favorite. I, I, I subscribe to it, and I'm not sorry, but the clothes that they put in there, you'd have to be 12 years old and weigh 97 pounds in order for them to look good on you. And frankly, most of them aren't that attractive, but the models that are wearing them would be attractive in duct tape and garbage garbage bags, so it doesn't right, really right, make right. any difference what you put on them. Right, absolutely. They are not the people that need to be designed for. I think what witless Abercrombie and Fitch guy is revealing is, A, how he made a bunch of money by exploiting people's insecurities, mm -hmm. and B, how he's not very good at what he does. If those, if he can only design for cool, fabulous, perfectly skinny, size zero people, then he's not a very good company. Well, I think what's interesting about this is that nobody has ever said anything positive about the way his clothes look at all. It's I think just more underwear, people isn't it? More no, it's all sorts of clothes, but it's very generic sort of it reminds me of what Eddie Bauer excuse me, what Eddie Bauer was when e. I was younger. E.D. Bauer from Grey Gardens or whatever. Mm, yes. Um it, it's very generic hang on your clothes. And, and as a lot of people commented on yeah, uh, my Facebook page most of the people that they know who wear Abercrombie and Fitch are gay men in their 40s and 50s who are trying to sort of capture a younger aesthetic, like the right. one he's They're describing in those fantastical right. terms. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. They want to look like St. John Smith on the wall in Times Square, so they're buying the Calvin Klein jockey shorts. But really, yeah. they just look like a doughy middle-aged guy in jockey shorts. It could be a new brand. Yeah. Well, it's time for another word from one of our sponsors, and then we'll be back to close out the dessert portion of the evening here at the Dinner Party Show.
like orchestral music but wish it was louder? Do you get annoyed when you can still hear the dialogue in dramatic movies? hearing loss from listening to Hans Zimmer music on your iPod as loud as the damn thing can go? Well, the Santa Monica Dramatic Music Festival series is for you. This season, in a steel and concrete airplane hangar at Santa Monica Municipal Airport that's just a little too small, the Los Angeles OTT Orchestra will be performing the most over-the-top music we can find. by Verdi, Puccini, and Wagner. Join the patriotic bombast of our annual 4th of July Night of a Thousand Drums. All this and almost more than you can physically stand is included in your season subscription to the Santa Monica Dramatic Music Festival. Receive VIP passes to our season members only Tchaikovsky dance off performance featuring the Toyla Tharp Ribbon and Seizure Company of Redondo Beach, the Isadora Duncan Go Nuts Rhythm Riders, and the Restless Leg Dancers as they kick up their heels to the loudest, most overproduced performances of the works of that big Russian Mo in this lighthearted and sometimes violent annual competition for the Ludwig von Beethoven Golden Ear Trumpet Trophy. All this and more tonight is producing broad-spectrum hearing destruction than any other music subscription outside of the heavy metal genre, combined with more pure over-the-top drama than an ACDC and Black Sabbath doubleheader. The Santa Monica Dramatic Music Festival series. Subscribe today and find out just how much you can stand. I love autocorrect. <laughs> Shay has been communicating with us a safe distance away through our text messaging Absolutely. system. Absolutely. Some of the autocorrect moments have been really a great source of hilarity here in the studio. <laughs> We're getting amused here on the Dinner Party Show. We don't know. All of you are not amused because you're drunk, or maybe you are amused because you're drunk. That, that drinking, drinking game. game. Yeah. We've been to the bathroom. I made a lot of stuff about me. Everything. Who knew that you were going to be able to pull out that you were actually in Interviewed and the Magalog, they yes, called it. I what was. a dreadful name. That sounds I'd so, never called it that. What an ooky name. But I guess a it's catalog. a magazine and a catalog. I guess. But a nobody, Magalog. Nobody uses that. I don't, what are they talking about? Back in my day, nobody could have called them catalogs. And they were etched in what? Back in the old days, right? Christopher yeah. gets grander every day. Housekeeping notes before Eric takes it off the rails again. Uh, yeah, we are doing I'm this again That's next week. That's why people week. come is for me to be off stop the talking, rails. Stop 
Just oh, get my out. God. Let me get it out. We're doing this again next week. Next week, we are doing another You're the Guest show because we love doing this. We love you. We love communicating with guests. all of you uh, via our Facebook page. And we like talking about the stuff that you guys want us to talk about rather than, you know, guessing. Because we'll, we'll talk about it. Eric will talk about anything. You just put a microphone in front of Eric's face, which was originally how I had planned to do this, which is put a microphone in front of Eric's <laughs> mouth and then record whatever happened and then, you know, have my mom talk about it on Facebook. But then I got picky about the setting for the microphone. Yeah, I'll say. Picky, picky, picky. So, yeah, that next uh, we're back. We're not subjecting you to another marathon. We're going to have another live show next Sunday at the usual time, 8 Eastern and 5 p.m. Pacific. We're doing something new on the stream this week that we should probably talk about. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, we are replaying the most recent six episodes in rotation, so there is some variation. If it's you, if you're having your week and you're using our mobile app or you want to log on to the site, uh, you won't just hear the same show repeating o- over and over again. This show will be part of that rotation where we've got six of them in there. And we want people to try experimenting with using us more and more like a regular radio station. Right. So there'll be like 12 hours of programming that you could play at the office or while you're right. working. It's a great way to catch up on the show and episodes that you've missed or favorite episodes. And it also allows TDPS uh, to be your radio choice wherever you're headed. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, and give us feedback on all of these things if you can. Our Facebook page is the outlet for that. We have Shea Butters patrolling constantly and making us aware of all of your comments and postings, and so we stay connected to you in that way. And the more that you talk to him, the less he can pick on us. Absolutely. Which we really appreciate. Please, please keep him busy. We will have a guest at the end of the month. We should tell people that Alec Mappa will be returning to the dinner party show. For an encore performance of his amazing Miley Cyrus. Oh, we're going to make him do that again, huh? you know, probably. Because you know how I am. I love that. We'll see if he'll do it. We'll have him do the whole song. How does that sound? It would be fine with me. And we'll get it on YouTube He could do a whole album. Absolutely. I would sit for it. We could have a concert. Absolutely. He'll be back Sunday, May 26th. That's our last show in the month of May. At the usual time, 8 Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. and uh, But next Sunday, it's us again. And, and you. you. Us and you. Sounds like a catchy song. One of those awful right, so retro you're the songs you'll so, pick for the show. Uh, keep us surprised of what it is you want to talk about next week. Absolutely. But for now, that's all we have tonight. Thank you for joining us for this live cast of The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And here's old pink again. Thanks. If I can get the button pressed. Yay.
a marvelous party. <laughs> <laughs> 